the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I think in the last hour I talked a lot about the investment trend tied towards working out at home and how it's becoming a crowded play. If I were to sum up my first hour today, it was a lot of talk about how the market is feeling and looking frothy because you are getting interested in stocks that you shouldn't be interested in due to their valuations, but you just want a piece of it. And you almost can't stop yourself, right? You need, you need, you need. And I kind of get it. I I get the psychology uh, that people go through. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. The employment numbers today were a bit of a mixed bag. The Federal Reserve yesterday was a bit of a mixed bag. Let's talk about the Federal Reserve first, because I think that's kind of important. Um, They said they're going to keep rates low until the end of 2023. Okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy that for a dollar. I get it. I like it. I can work with that. It doesn't offend me. It doesn't taste bad. It's actually low rates should work well for what I do. Talk about the stock market. But there's also a reality that they're keeping rates low because they're not fighting inflation. And they changed the way they're going to talk about inflation to us not that long ago in what would be kind of a major shift in perspective. Look at inflation not a month to month level. We're going to blend it. We're going to merge it. We're going to say, okay, we could be a little bit above 2%. When 2% used to be like, you did not just go above 2%. If you went above 2% inflation, we're going to raise interest rates. They said, we're not going to raise interest rates till the end of 2023. And I'm like, what? That's bad news for the economy. That's bad news for the average man. For me, who has some money invested in the stock market, it's great news. For me, who has the want to get more real estate, it's great news. Um, For me, who may say, I want a home equity line of credit so I can take money out of my current house and go buy another house. Um, It's great because my home equity line of credit rates will be lower due to lower rates. I think you get where I'm going out with this. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything is fair if you want to bring it on air and chit-chat about it. Let's talk about some of the other ideas out there, um, because there has to be another one. Ford and electric vehicles. Oh, boy. So, at one point in my life, I was like, no longer wanted a cute sedan. I wanted a truck. I was tired of trying to fit things into my miles-per-gallon vehicle that was great and well-rated. Toyota Prius, like I had one for a business car to drive to and from the city in, and I hated it. Can't store anything in it. Can't can't travel with it. 
Well, you can travel with it, but you can't like go to soccer practices with it. So, um, what, where am I going out with this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I went with the truck. Now, Ford's making its electric F-150 a serious work truck in a bid to set it apart from Tesla and GM pickups. Okay, okay. A little business strategy talk, right? Ford's trying to say their, their F-150 is legendary. It is a well-selling truck, and they make a lot of money on trucks. Car companies, if they're trying to make money on sedans, they'd be out of business. They're making money on SUVs and trucks. The F-150 is probably the, the most important vehicle to Ford. Um, it generated $42 billion in revenue last year. It's been America's best-selling pickup for 43 years. It's been the nation's top-selling vehicle for 38 years. I don't own a Ford F-150, for the record. Um, but now that Tesla and GM are coming out with vehicles, you know, what do you want a truck for? For heavy-duty hauling, for towing, or for recreation? I think it's fair to say that Tesla is more looks like a recreational vehicle. Um, have you seen what? Have you, have you seen the Tesla truck? It looks like something out of Blade Runner. It looks like something out of Mad Max. It, it, it looks like it has metal plating on it. Do you remember the, the famous Elon Musk uh, demo of his of his? I guess you'd almost call a cyber truck, where it's like it's got bulletproof glass and it's indestructible, and he throws a rock at the window and it breaks. It's a trap. It is a trap. Admiral Akbar's made him a visit back to the show. That sucked. They killed him off. Why do they have to kill him off? I don't like the last three Star Wars. I think they ruined the franchise. Why? Exactly. I think they should give it to one director with one vision instead of blending it the way they did. But I'm totally digressing. Um, so electric vehicles, electric pickups, are going to be lifestyle customers. F-150 is going to be a gas-guzzling monster to get the job done. And that's the reputation that they want to go after. They don't want to go after, like, oh, let's go for a picnic in our, our, our cyber truck. 43 years. I, I probably didn't guess that. 43 years of dominating, $42 billion in revenue. The new electric F-150, uh-oh, it's due out in 2020, mid-2022. Um, so we got a couple years on that. It's expected to cost about half as much to maintain and operate because trucks do break down quite consistently because we're putting strain on them. Um, it's a big bet. It's a big bet. And I won't own a Ford or GM. You know why I won't own a Ford or GM? Not good at cars. I won't own the stocks. And I can look at them. I can go, look at the value of that. I won't own them because they used to have unions that were strong in America. And the unions said, we'll make cars and we'll train people for you. Uh, United Auto Workers, and we'll, but you're going to give them pensions, and you're going to give them safe working conditions. I know you're saying, Rob, don't go there, don't go there. I kind of like the Asian working conditions where people uh, get mistreated, where we have small children and women in factories. No, I don't like that. That's ridiculous to say. But the labor costs for the inherited labor cost for airlines a lot of times, not all airlines, and for auto workers, uh, car companies in America, You've got people who are 90 years old who are still getting paid by Ford. 95 years old who are still getting paid because they have a pension. And that was the thing that, like, I learned that lesson, like, oh, boy, you're not going to have any social conscience on the radio, are you? I don't think you want me to, to be fair. But with that being said, 
you run into dilemmas as an investor. Nike dominated the shoe space because they started manufacturing in Asia at half the costs of what you could do in the United States. Because the United States, we want clean working conditions. We want breaks every two hours. We want, like, we want, we want, we want. And when you're in an economy that's not developed, you'll take whatever job you can get. You'll send your kids to, to work. They'll take any money coming into your family. Um, that's not totally true. And again, I'm totally, I know this is kind of a, a the F-150 has me in a tizzy. Uh, because I don't really want them to go electric. I don't really want them to change too much. But um, Tesla and Ford did a tug of war at one point in time. And it was just, it's silly. But it shows you how important one product can be to a company. I'll watch that play out with you. You'll watch that play out. I won't invest in Ford due to not, they don't have good vehicles, but because of their labor costs. Tesla doesn't have a union. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Scary in the sense that you kind of fall in love with the new trends. Pitch Deck is a, a small presentation. It's created typically with PowerPoint, Keynote, or Prezi. It's used to provide the audience with a quick overview of the business plan. It's a pitch deck, face-to-face, sometimes online meetings, looking for personal investors, customers, partners, co-founders to throw money into a company. I was reading one yesterday from KZN. They're about to come public. They're very deep in their Series A, their Series B, their Series C, and then there's final round of uh, investing. Um, I'm very aware of all the trends that are out there right now. The seed investments, the Series C, the Series B, the Series A. Um, the one that I was looking at that I found fascinating is, like I said, uh, it's a cannabis one yesterday. Consumer government and business trends, and this is a slide. Consumer government and business trends leading to increased adoption and innovation. $146 billion by 2025. Today, it's a $17 billion industry. What Kazin does is they make cannabis beverages. Totally new product. No one's gone down to the store until probably last year and said, hey, dear store owner, 7-Eleven owner, can I get me a, a cold, fresh, big gulp of marijuana? Well, what type do you want? Do you want the type that relaxes you? You want a big gulp that uh, kind of like de-stresses you? You want the big gulp that, the big gulp that de-stress, uh, opens your mind to new universes? Whoa. And this is one where you don't want to do uh, a suicide and blend them all together. But you get the idea. Cannabis beverages with the highest growth potential and mainstream appeal. That's what Kazen wants to do. They've got an emulsion technology. I don't even know what that is. They've got a seasoned team with brand management. I know what that is. They've got a reliable supply chain with multi-state coverage. Okay. Now, the people who are interested in marijuana beverages are the people that you think would sell beverages, Pepsi and Coke, Anheuser-Busch. People that don't have exciting product. They're looking for exciting, and this is a sales pitch to them. Um, Today, greater than $100 million on consumer cannabis beverages. In the year 2022, just two years away, it's going to go from a $100 million industry to $2 billion. I'm like, well, that's growth that's faster than the GDP. I like it. And I could go through the whole pitch deck with you. And I can go through hundreds of these with you if you ever want to. And maybe I'll make it a, a feature on the show. But like, um, I look at Uber's original deck from a decade ago and look at their business model now. And it's like, whoa, um, things change there. 
There's a company called Zestful and Winnie and Voro and 1906 and Alice. Um, headset. What does Headset do? They're a marijuana tech startup. Uh, what does Pixcom do? They're a Silicon Valley startup uh, doing uh, edge computing services. Uh, what's edge computing service? What's what's virtual reality? What's you learn a lot of the stuff that you don't know that we're going to need that we're going to need. There's a company called Cedo. What does Cedo do? They do home weed growing machines. Okay, okay, I get the home exercise Peloton mirror. I get tonal. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Half the NBA teams in the bubble have worked out on a tonal gym uh, at home machine. Whoa, like that's that's sexy. But in the end, I also want to see the money, you know, because sexy doesn't always win forever. Take a look at McDonald's. McDonald's has been around for 60 years plus. They've killed so many freaking fracking cows on the planet that cows quiver at the idea of McDonald's. They're... No one says McDonald's food is the most delicious they've ever eaten. We've seen documentaries where people eat it for 30 days and basically have a, a stroke or something like that at the end of this episode. Um, but they made a relationship with Travis Scott, who I, all I know is that he dates a Kardashian and he did a Super Bowl song. That's all I know, and I don't know if he still dates her, and I, I don't, like, that's where it gets fuzzy on me. I'm not that deep in celebrity culture, but they caused a relationship, McDonald's made a relationship with Travis Scott because their their burgers aren't sexy anymore. Their, their, their sodas aren't sexy. Their fries, pretty darn delicious, but not sexy. So they created a Travis Scott meal, and for the life of me, I can't figure out why this is a success, but it is. Um... The meal comes with a quarter-pound burger with cheese, bacon, shredded lettuce, Sprite, fries, dipped in barbecue sauce, six bucks. And McDonald's is is trying to figure out their supply chain because it's so popular. There's nothing on that that looks fascinating to me, but Travis Scott, who uses the name Cactus Jack, is selling McDonald's-themed items. He's uh, he's got a pillow shaped like a McNugget on his website, and they sell fast. And that's like Twitter followers mean something now. Because if Travis Scott has a, a McNugget-shaped bed pillow, people are like, I want to be like Travis Scott. I want to be like Cactus Jack. But McDonald's is actually running out of supply. Um, the stores are like ha- having problems managing their lettuce and their quarter pounders. That, that's, to me, stunning in the 21st century that this could actually work. Supply issues are rare for a company like McDonald's. Throughout the coronavirus pandemic, the company has said it has not experienced a supply chain break in any way, shape, or form. And there was problems with slaughterhouses in America, you know, with the virus running through them and ultimately having to shut down for weeks. We saw beef prices spike. We saw hog prices spike. McDonald's, no problems. They are a supply dream of a company. Same thing kind of with Apple. You kind of get the idea what I'm, where I'm going at with this angle. McDonald's is famous because you can eat a burger in France and it tastes just like a burger in New York, just like a burger in small town USA. Um, but supply issues are very, very rare. And it, it, go, it reminds me that it's something you're looking for in a company. And I just went through a pitch deck of marijuana and how sexy it is and how it's a fast-growing industry. I'll still take McDonald's over a cannabis investment. I, and it's not. I'm not doing it because of the five star reviews. I'm doing it because they sell a lot of freaking fragging nuggets. They sell a lot of burgers. 
Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. The coronavirus has caused a massive problem across America, across the world. Budget problems. Budget problems. It all comes down to the money. The Big Ten yesterday said they're going to do college football this fall, even though they said earlier they weren't. Well, they are. Um, I think the money got to everyone is the thought. Like, we're going to protect the students. These are student athletes. They are non-paid athletes. We're going to protect them and let them be students. Uh, wait, you're, you're, you're taking my $100 million uh, new facility away? Come back to campus, kids. So the coronavirus has caused severe budget problems for American uh, higher education. College financial troubles are larger than the virus in the rock, scissors, paper world. They've been building for years. They stem from a breakdown in the country's system for paying for higher education. Some parents can afford it. Some can't. Some kids could get student loans. Some can't. Some kids get $150,000 of student loans. Some kids get five. It is a hodgepodge potpourri mixture that doesn't really smell all that good. No one says, our college system runs like a whistle. No one. Our college system basically came out of World War II, and colleges needed three things. They needed students to give them money. They needed the federal government to give them money, and they needed the states to give them the money. Colleges do a lot of research. Colleges do a lot of good for our country, but that costs money. So a lot of Americans attend something known as a state college. And over time, state officials came to that realization. If they cut their higher education budget, colleges could make up the shortfall by raising tuition. So when push comes to shove, do we build roads? Do we have better health care? Do we fund our prisons? Do we fund our kids in college? Um, there's no other alternative for, like, K through 12. But for college, it could become a system of haves and have-nots. And there's a massive shortfall in the United States in budgets, which I think I'm going to get to my bottom line here, that anytime there's a problem in the world and budgets get slashed, colleges and universities get the major hit from budgets. Uh, because there's that other source of funding, parents with money. States and, fe- and the federal government doesn't have to do it. It's the rich kids. It's rich parents. Uh, and if you do out-of-state, woohoo, that's even better. So oddly enough, the out-of-state tuition is not the same as the in-state tuition, even though the education is exactly the same in theory. But they've been pushing out-of-state because they could charge more for it. It's a sham of a business. It's just... Whoever came up with this is just almost genius. I'm getting to my point. I'm getting to my point. Colleges are struggling for resources. Even elite colleges, public and private, can raise substantial revenue from tuition and alumni deposits, are struggling. There's inequality in higher education. A lot of poor middle-class students who excel in high school and attend colleges with inadequate resources and low graduation rates end up with student debt but no degree. Can you imagine? I know people with student debt that didn't get a degree. So I think our college system is pretty broken. And what's the horrible thing about this? It's going to hurt us in the long run because we're not educating 
science. We're not educating engineers. It's tougher and tougher to get through. And people who graduate with engineering degrees and science degrees and math degrees and college graduates more so than non-college graduates in our society and our economy, college graduates get paid more than non-graduates. Uh, they earn higher salaries. They pay more in taxes. So the decline in the college system right now into the haves and the have-nots, it's definitively trending towards the haves. Uh, but it's going to hurt our states and our federal government. It's going to bite us in the butt because there's a lot of kids out there who are super smart, way smarter than me, that can't afford to go to college. Bueller. Bueller. They go to college and they find out, you know, uh, I got some some duties at home, so to speak, and they drop out. Brings me to Joe Biden and a big proposed expansion of federal support for higher education. I don't know. If I, if I were to run for president, I think I... Well, here's probably my policies. You got to make education more accessible, period. That's number one. Number two, anyone who sends spam email, I will put to death. Number three, anyone who knocks at my door without my permission, I will put to death. I think I'm going to be like a Kim Jong-il, and more so than like a, a Don F. Kennedy. We're going to go to the moon. Error. We're going to go to Japaquitic. Uh Millennials are like, what? <laughs> what? Oh, I saw this crazy study out about millennials. That 75% of millennials don't know. I can't name a uh, uh, Nazi death camp, a concentration camp. Um, that most millennials don't even know that 7 million Jews were killed. Or do they? And they just act like they don't. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not Jewish, and I'm not making a Jewish statement here in any way, shape, or form. I'm not a Nazi, and I'm not making a Nazi statement in any way. Like, I have to now just—I have to say I'm—I'm I'm neutral. I'm pulling a Switzerland on this story, but um, it goes back to the education thing, right? Um, we learn what we—we we learn what we're shown, and universities, I think, are broken. Now that brings us to the next question. A good website for saving is for college is savingforcollege.com. Savingforcollege.com. It could be a, a great tool, a 529 plan, but more Americans are looking, especially with COVID now, and like, uh, could we, how much of the can we do online? We could probably make online education way cheaper if the federal government got involved, but then the federal government gets involved, like, who wants to work for the federal government? Not anyone who wants to make a career. Uh, they give good pensions, but they don't pay well, so... It's kind of a broken system is what I'm getting at. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm still stunned at uh, Travis Scott and McDonald's. They're selling out of they're selling out of cow meat. <laughs> they're breaking the supply chain. That is fascinating. Donald Trump says he is open-minded to a big stimulus package being rumored on Wall Street at this point in time. Um, that It's got some bipartisan support for about another $1.5 trillion. I know none of the details. Will it go to small businesses? Will it go to airlines? Airlines are meeting with the president saying, uh, Mr. President, yeah, well, we're going to cut more jobs if you don't give us more free money or stimulus money or grants or something like that. So there's a lot going on in the political machinations right now. Throwing that out there, Anya. Um, the Republicans and Democrats got together in Congress and said, okay, here's a bill. Now let's take it to the president. 
And the president says, ah, it's big enough. I like it. Last week, no one could agree. This week, they, there seems to be agreement. So we got that coming down the road. Moderna says they're going to release, um, they're going to work on a seasonal flu vaccine every year. They, they, they see this as now a market. So the pandemic has created a company that says, we want to do this every year. And there's different flus that goes from the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere, and we can kind of predict how it moves on some level. Uh, they find the four worst flus in the southern hemisphere, and they make it for the northern I don't know the science, but that's the idea. And Moderna, who's working on a COVID vaccine, is like, this is good business. We want to do this every year. I, I find that taints the world, doesn't it? That ruins your idea that there's a scientist out there rushing to get a solution to save billions of people. Well, there's also a company that says, we can turn this into a franchise for us. And maybe it'll happen more, and we'll be better positioned for it when it does. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in there. Snowflake IPO is ridiculous. Be careful. Jobless claims fell to 860000 That's way better than a million. Jobless claims, you've been fired, but I just started work. And you're like, well, I got to get on unemployment. I got to get something. You know, my my, my sugar burger is going to be mad if I don't bring home the money. So I'm going to go on unemployment. That's the first time unemployment claims. Now, they're below a million, which was like until late August, it was above a million. It's stubbornly above a million. We're still firing a lot of people. 860,000 people is a large number to let go. Last year, we were at 210,000. You're going to start thinking more and more pre pandemic, pandemic, post pandemic. Uh, New York City schools delay in-person classes again. It's just not that easy to reopen. <laughs> Housing starts slowed down in August, but single-family home construction is still growing. Uh, housing starts are important. We need housing every year in the United States. We need more of it. Some houses get destroyed by fire. Some get destroyed by earthquakes. Some get destroyed by old age or maybe our roads coming in. Some We need more housing. People still come to our country, and we still make babies in our country. Um, so housing is an important part of our economic engine. Uh, we look at, I look at permits, um, starts, yeah, they're too fresh. Permits are like, what are we going to be doing in six months from now? Carnival Cruise Line says they're extending their cancellations into 2021. Fed Reserve said we're not going to be raising interest rates until the end of 2023. Wow. These kind of deep projections make you wonder about the legitimacy of them over time. But Carnival Cruise Lines, they're not opening up right. Uh, cancellations uh, are being extended. Schools aren't getting back yet in New York City. Like, Do you see like the economic activity? The Fed's telling us something. The Fed's telling us we don't see it back to normal until the end of 2023. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. It's a long way to technology. Once it comes, we'll be like, yeah, this is nice. What about 6G? Like, we'll, we'll think that way, won't we? We don't even have 5G in our hands that it's, like, functional at this point in time, and we're already starting to think about 6G. It's a great growth story. Wall Street loves a good story. Me? Not so much. Forrest Gump. Maybe one of the most overrated movies of all time. That's a great story, Jenny. Um... And you tell it so well, Forrest. I didn't like the movie. So, book was interesting. Movie, not so much. 
So 5G is rolling, ladies and gentlemen. It's coming soon. Um, it's actually kind of interesting because they've started doing some testing. In some places, 4G phones are faster than 5G phones. But I'm going to hold judgment on any sort of studies like that at this point in time. Um, 5G phones handling speeds of you know, 46 megabits per second. 4G LTE, 43 megabits per second. Like, is that that much of a revolution? Or is it an evolution? Um, are phones the right players for it? Who's going to be selling the equipment? Nokia. It's a company that really doesn't have a lot going for it. Because at one point in time, Nokia was the cell phone company before Apple. And they stole the crown from Motorola. Motorola was the king of cell phones. Then it was Nokia. And then it was Apple. You could probably say Google's there, too, somehow. But they messed it up. They, they, They didn't... Okay, so Motorola messed it up because they were analog phones. And Nokia went digital. But Nokia didn't get the smartphone quite right. BlackBerry did, and then Apple said, oh, we'll crush you guys. So there's been an evolution there. But Nokia is, is doing well as far as 5G network equipment goes, selling to the cell phone maker, uh, cell phone uh, providers, service providers. In the past two years, they've developed a lot of software and enterprise business uh, success with 5G. Um, so they're a player. One of my favorite stocks, a 5G play, is Qualcomm. This, I think, has a good run still left in it. I bought Qualcomm a few years back ago, and I told you about it on the show when Apple and them were suing each other. I'm like, yeah, they'll eventually figure this out. It was some over patents. They did, and Apple said, we'll work with you for five more years, basically on your terms, but we're not going to work with you after five years. So I'm going to have to revisit Qualcomm down the road. I own it. I'm fine with it. Uh, Well-positioned to take benefits of the long-term 5G investment cycle. Um, they've entered, re-entered the relationship with Apple, and Apple's going to sell billions of phones. Licensing business is dramatically improved uh, legally for Qualcomm in the last few years. I think T-Mobile's a play on 5G as a stock. Um, I, I wouldn't underestimate them. I've always liked Verizon as an investment, AT&T as a dividend, but T-Mobile, I think, could be a, a mover. I think it can show signs of life, signs of growth um, when 5G commercials start rolling out. And they're going to start rolling out soon. Analog devices is a play. It's boring, boring, boring company. What does analog devices do? They convert, they manufacture analog to digital converter chips. You don't get more boring than that. Eventually, essentially converting analog signals into digital signals. But that's 5G, baby. And you're talking about 23% annual grower? I could find some sex appeal in 23% annual grower. Analog devices. There's a company called American Tower. What does American Tower do? I'll give you a second to think about it. And it's in the name. They have towers across America. And Verizon and AT&T and... Uh, maybe Google and other companies are going to say, you know, we don't own any land on Interstate 101 or Interstate 880 or Interstate 80 or, or Route 66. But we see you tower companies are there. Can we borrow a little space on your tower and put some equipment on it? That's their business. It is a very, very attractive business. Um Wireless carriers and have to invest billions of dollars into the infrastructure, into the capital 
that will power 5G. You don't have to have the sexy service provider, T-Mobile. You don't have to have the sexy semiconductor play, Qualcomm. You don't have the boring uh, analog devices, which will be in every freaking phone, uh, modem and such. You can go after a company that has a tower. Uh, you got a new tower coming out? No, it's just a tower. You want space on it? We'll provide the electricity. We'll lease it to you. Oh, I get it. So American Tower, ticker symbol AMT. It's a real estate investment trust. It's not sexy. It's going to pay a nice, fat dividend. It's a real estate investment trust. It's the best way for the average person to buy real estate. I've got a new producer at the station, and uh, he wants to buy a home. His sugar booger doesn't want to buy a home. They could actually own real estate by buying real estate investment trust. So he would say, look, that tower we're driving by right now, honey, we own that. That would be awesome. Um, I don't know if you pick up what I'm putting down there, but oh yeah, you own, yeah. You can, own, you can own mall REITs. You can own car dealership REITs, movie theater REITs. Ooh, that's not a good one to own, right? There's different types of real estate investment trusts, and the trust implies that they have to pay out 90% of their profits. Um, so it's an income play. It's not a growth play. They're not making Tower 2.0. They're not coming up with Mall 2.0. Like it's a play on real. It's a fixed asset, so to speak. 